Hi everyone, I'm Martin Tyler. You are listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. Welcome to this week's NL Full-Time. I'm Luke Edwards, croaky voice and all, but I'm still here doing this for you this week. Join us on the line to look at what's happened in the National League is Chris Pratt. Hello, Chris. Hello, Luke. Luke, we're lucky that you're such a warrior, aren't we? Well, yeah. Some of the ladies might like this sexy voice as well. (laughs) Carry on. No comment. Yeah, no comment from Chris there. And joining us as well from the Claret Army podcast is Darren Smith. Hello, Darren. Well, look how you... Yeah, good, cheers. It's, you, it's your first full appearance, really. You kind of make a couple of sub appearance, but this is your first sort of full game for us. Yeah, take it easy on me, please. <laughs> <laughs> Get stuck in straight on, right. So we're going to look back at all the action now, and as, as you well know, Barrow are top of the league. They are absolutely flying. And Rob caught up with BBC Radio Cumbria's Adam Johnson to have a chat in a pub and also to introduce a special little piece that they've done for us. Okay, another exciting venue for NL full-time podcast. I'm in, uh, what's it called, the Railway Spoons on the the Abbey Road in uh, Barrow, just across from the station. Going to be making my way up to Holker Street very shortly. And uh, alongside me is fellow BBC commentator Adam Johnson for BBC Cumbria. Adam, we've known each other a few years now. We've uh, met up for a bite and uh, a little drink pre-match here. Um, As we come into this one, Barrow, top of the league, three points clear, game in hand, 12 wins out of 14. You must be absolutely pinching yourself. It's it's incredible. It's absolutely incredible. And and, and to be honest, I mean... Even even last week after the Maidenhead game, it was you were just stood there for ages, looking looking out at the at the ground as, as it was emptying, and just you just could not quite believe it. And then next minute you look at your phone, and the buzz comes through that Yeovil have got a 97th minute equaliser against Bromley, which which means you're three points clear at the top of the table now as well. It's 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 unthought of, you know. You're not used to seeing things like this as a as a Barrow supporter, and it's it's absolutely incredible to to see. Quite apart from the effort and the performance on the pitch, the mindset is so key, isn't it? And right from the end of last season, Ian Everett made sure the right message was going into uh, particularly his players' minds that 10th place wasn't a great season, it was OK, and they could do much better this season. Yeah, absolutely, and he's, he's so grounded, he's so down-to-earth, and even now, after, after every game when you interview him and he doesn't get carried away with it, the top of the table, the top of the table by right, but straight away his, his concentration is on the next game that game's boxed off onto the next one you know he doesn't let the players get too carried away with it as he's it's one of his famous quotes is you can't get too high with the highs or too low with the lows and that's exactly what he's like he's he's so driven towards what he wants and even now you're top of the league three points clear you know, coming into the December period and in his mind there's still more to come from this team and that's that's what's getting a lot of the town excited that in Ian Everett's eyes, they've still not been at the best, and the three points clear at the top of the table. So, you, you can't help but think what you know what is going to happen when when this tie does start, you know, pushing on and playing the the what Ian Everett thinks is is his best brand of football. Well, Adam, you encapsulated things really, really well there. You did even better though a couple of weeks ago, and credit to BBC Cumbria for this. But uh, Adam talked uh, to one or two uh, Barra supporters uh, who have been uh, following the club for quite a while about uh, just what it means uh, for Barra to be uh, challenging uh, to get back into the Football League. It's 
to dream the impossible dream to fight the, the impossible dream a song recorded in the 1960s by various artists, but since 1972 it could also describe the feelings of the supporters of Barrow AFC when it comes to thinking of getting back into the Football League. Since losing league status in 1972, the club has certainly faced adversity off and on the pitch, but this season has seen the club march in an upward spiral. A local consortium at the helm, all of which are Barrow supporters, and features members of the club supporters group has seen improvements off the pitch and this is being matched on it with a side currently sitting top of the National League with 40 points from the 21 games played so far. But what do supporters think about the possibility of league football returning to Holger Street next season? It was great in the football league but uh, there were some times when we, we really struggled to get back in the football league would be an absolute dream come true. This is probably our best chance ever with it with this particular manager in Everett and this board of directors it's a real opportunity prior to this we've had some false dawns where we've been you know close to playoff and then just failed but with the in Everett now people are, are talking about uh, Barrow now as a football team I don't think people want to play against us because of the way we play it's a pleasure to come everybody's enjoying what's what's going on at the club I started in 1969-70 season my, my dad brought me to my first game and it was a boxing day it was against Southport and we won 1-0 I've, I've been when we've been low in the league and when there's been 400 people here and when there's been seven or 8,000 people here it's, it's just something you, you sort of grow up and love and, and you still keep coming about 10, 15, 20 times a day I think about our football I think about going in the league and I look at the league tables to see who we could have Markham, Carlisle fantastic money spinners for the club they'd be so I really would love it and I'd really look forward to it first game was 1976 when it was 10 against Netherfield at home I'd say there's been more downs and ups for the club since they've been in non-league and for them to go back in the Football League would be an absolute dream come true. So my first game in 1964, but it was probably a regular from about 67, so well over 50 years. The season that we were in the third division was, was fantastic. I remember us beating Colchester 4 or 5 nil, and the ground was rocking. And, and as an 11-year-old, when we were thrown out of the league, really, for all the wrong reasons... It was heartbreaking. But seeing where we are now, I think this is the first real opportunity we've had uh, since that time. And um, I don't know what I'll do if we if we get up. It'd be like a dream come true. So that's a view of the supporters. But what about the players who played in the league for the club? Brian Arrowsmith is from Barrow and made over 500 appearances for the club in two spells which stretched from 1961 to 1978. He's the club's record appearance maker in the Football League, having made 378 appearances in his first spell at the club from 1961 to 1971. And I asked him what he thought about the work Barrow boss Ian Everett is doing and how he would feel about seeing Barrow back in the Football League. You can't fault him, can you? The record shows that he's a man for the job, definitely. I'm very lucky, I come to all the games at home. Occasionally I go away, but not often. What I feel about Barrow getting back in the league is unbelievable. It's just a dream, isn't it? You know, for this fella to do it. I'm sure he will. 
So I think it's fair to say that it is still very much a dream to see Barrow back in the Football League. But the way things are at the club at present, maybe that impossible dream is more a probable one. And the thoughts are that maybe Barrow can reach the once unreachable goal and return to the promised land of the Football League after 48 years in non-league football. To reach the unreachable star. So that was a piece, Adam, that you did for BBC Cumbria Sport uh, a few weeks back. And since then, uh, the impossible dream continues to look slightly more possible. Yeah, well, that was in the build-up to the game against Chorley. And you did start thinking maybe I'd put a bit of a, a, a mockers on it when, you know, 16 minutes in the 2-0 down against the then league's basement side. But they battled back to get a point from that game and, and then followed that up with the amazing, you know, 4-0 victory that we saw away at Maidenhead last weekend and it's you know you've just got to look at it now I mean I, I said it somebody put a post on Twitter saying about um, Barrow they're doing fantastic work and and people but you know people need to, to still look at it I had a look and I, I replied to him straight away and said anybody who does not think that Barrow are contenders to, to win this league now needs to seriously take a look at themselves because they are the way they're playing other teams now Ian Everett said that we're under the radar a few weeks ago I think that radar has been well and truly lifted though it certainly has Adam there's no doubt about that right now Aldershot in town today and uh, probably an appropriate juncture listeners for me to mention that uh, when Barrow came down to Aldershot earlier in the season They'd actually lost uh, half a dozen of their first seven, eight or nine games. Uh, they'd been throwing away leads, and they very nearly did it at Aldershot. Um, ahead at half-time, again, and Aldershot had a penalty in the dying seconds to take a, what would have been an undeserved point out of it. And that set you on this run of 12 wins in 14 games. Have you got any uh, any kind of inkling, any kind of feeling of, of, of how it might go today? I know it's very unpredictable league. It, it very much is an unpredictable league, and I think I think if Barrow can play the way that they have been playing, and you know, keep themselves focused, which is what Ian Everett is all about, making sure that those players keep the feet on the ground and and, and keep focused. Every opposition is, you know, as good as as the previous opposition in his eyes, and they need to they need to carry on looking at that, and they need to go into this game today fully focused. Obviously, Barrow are favourites. You, you've you've got to think that, but. You know, in the past, we've had some fantastic games between ourselves and, you know, anything can certainly happen. And, you know, you wouldn't rule anything out of all the shot getting something from the game. But certainly you've got to think that Barrow, if they can get themselves in front and if they can keep driving like they have done, then you can only see one winner in that case. Adam, thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and for your support of the NL Full-Time Podcast too. All the best for the rest of the season after today. Yeah, and yourselves, Rob, as well. And that was Rob and Adam Johnson. Many thanks to Radio Cumbria for letting us use that piece as well. A fantastic piece there. And, and Barrow continued their good form on Saturday. They beat Rob's Aldershot by a goal to nil. And it was John Rooney who scored again, Chris. Um, yeah, well, it was sort of John Rooney, wasn't it? And it was sort of DR Angus, Angus as well. It was a bit of a scrappy goal. It bounced off uh, Angus's shin, I think, as it as it went in. But it was uh, it was enough to to beat Aldershot yesterday, and it takes uh, it takes Barrow unbeaten in in seven games. 
now as well. And um, yeah, it was a great conversation that Rob had, wasn't it? Um, typically in a pub, Rob, mm. <laughs> if you're listening. But uh, no, it was a great conversation. And uh, I just think one of the turning points, personally, look, look from an outsider looking in, was um, was back in October when um, Ian Everett was approached by by Fylde, or the club were approached by uh, Fylde for for Everett services, and he turned down to focus on the uh, the project that he's going on up there in in Barrow, the the top goal scorers. Um, I know there was a penalty shout yesterday that um, that could have happened for for Aldershot, but uh, by all accounts, you know they they, they were good for it and. Um, yeah, top of the league and also with a game in hand on Bromley. Yeah, and the ever professional Rob, of course, in a pub, as we mentioned, with Adam Johnson. But his work wasn't done for us as he kindly caught up with the Barrow manager, Ian Everett, after the game. Very, very quick word with Ian Everett, the Barrow manager. Uh, sometimes when you're top of the league and everybody wants to try and get something against you, you have to grind out a 1-0. Was that the archetypal 1-0 today or could it have been so many more? Yeah, it probably should have been more, to be honest, I think. Yeah, it was, a, it was scrappy at times because of the conditions. The wind doesn't help, especially the way both teams try and play football. Uh, but we created so many chances second half that really the game should have been put to bed a lot, a lot sooner than it was. But having said that, the way the way we kept, you know, kept them at bay really, apart from one big chance they had, the keeper made a very good save. Other than that, I thought we managed the game really well. And the only the only downside is that we we didn't take our chances in the final third, but. You're not always going to have it our own way. It's difficult to win four matches in this league, and today they've ground out a good, a good three points, and it's another three points closer to our target. And sometimes you get controversial incidents with, uh, with uh, refereeing decisions. Today there was a couple of non-decisions. The first one being ten minutes in, looked like a push in the back of the Aldershot Town play. It would have been soft, but it could have been given. And then at the other end, you end up scoring from a free kick that could have been a penalty. Yeah, I mean the fine margins, aren't they? Um, mm. I must say it's not it's not easy refereeing games, especially when the referees aren't aren't professional at this level. I think something we have to look at moving forwards is, you know, this is a a professional league more or less now, and there's some big budgets, some big money being spent, some very good football players at this level, and for us to progress, you know, the non-league picture, especially the national league, I think you know we need to look at having professional referees that are, are capable of you know, working Monday to Friday on, on, on refereeing and, and improving it. It's a difficult job for them, really difficult. So you know, just moving forwards, I'd like to see with the amount of money that we're spending you know, on players and, and teams and budgets, you know, if we can spend some more money on referees, giving them the chance to be professional and hopefully then the standards will improve. That's a great shout and really good timing because in a week or two's time from the NL Full-Time Podcast, we'll be speaking to representatives from the FA. So we'll try and take that one forward and take it on for you, Ian. Congratulations on the first half of the season. I know there's a long way to go. Thank you. Uh, all the best and Appreciate we'll catch you next it. time. Thanks very much. And that was Ian Everett. And he's a hard taskmaster, isn't he, Ian Everett? He, he said it in the past and it, it was mentioned in those pieces by... Adam Johnson as well. He won't settle for it. Even though the top, he won't settle for that at the minute, will he? No, I don't think he will. And I think that, you know, they do want the the promotion. They've got the impossible dream um, in the in, in the minds. That, and um, I've got to say, I think this league is absolutely wide open this season. It really is. Because, um, you know, they're top on 47 points. But if you go down to, to Boreham Wood down in ninth place, they're on 37 points. There's only 10 points separating those places. It's up for grabs and, you know, we are over halfway through in terms of games played. The turning point came a, a couple of weeks ago 
Um, so they are they are over the the hump now, but there's still you know there's still a long way to go, and and I expect this league table to change quite a bit in the uh, in well next year. <laughs> It'll be next year, soon, won't it? Uh, Twenty twenty, yeah. Yeah, that's the only thing that could maybe hamper Barrow, you feel, Chris. Maybe uh, injuries or suspensions catching up with them. Yeah, it could do, but they've got a lot of things going for them as well, haven't they? I mean, it's such <laughs> it's such a difficult place to get to, Barrow, for um, for opposing teams. You know, it's the end. It's in the end of one road. It's X and age, especially as it's um, the national league is loaded with uh, most of the teams. There's a hell of a lot of teams in the southeast area um, that are quite a long drive, so. They've got that going for them when they're playing at home. Um, you know, you're likely to be playing in tricky weather conditions and all that sort of thing. But again, they, they, it's vice versa, isn't it, when they're on the road? So I think their home form's going to be vital. Bromley, they kept up the pressure on Barrow. They're only three points behind. They came from behind to win at Chesterfield. Ben Williamson scored yet again, and then Luke Coulson's cross was deflected. And we'll get on to Chesterfield in a bit, but that's a really good, strong win for Bromley, that, isn't it, Chris? It's a brilliant win, and it's a win that, on paper, before the uh, before the day's play, you'd look at it and you'd think, "Well, yeah, Bromley, Bromley will get three points there." So if you didn't know if you didn't know anything about the story of the game, you wouldn't be surprised to see that Bromley had gone there and taken the three points. But when you look at it and you see that they came from behind, and with 15 minutes to go, they were losing the game to um, you know fond up Talon's goal. That's a fantastic comeback um, for, for Neil Smith's men and they're keeping up the pressure on, on Barrow. He's a fantastic manager, Darren, isn't he, Neil Smith? Uh, he's done a really good job at Bromley, the way he's built them up and, and got them to where they are now. Yeah, definitely. Canny operator knows what he's doing. He makes good signings as well. He's signed a couple of players from us over the years and, and he gets the best out of them and often those players move on to, to better things there. But he's picked up um, it's good players and as I say, they're, they're flying at the moment and uh, I fully expect them to uh, to stay right up there towards the end of the season. He's just signed Dave Winfield from yourselves as well from Chelmsford City, hasn't he? Yeah, Dave come into us. He had a bit of an injury last season, I think, uh, when he left Ebbsfleet. So I think it's probably likely he'd come to us to sort of build a bit of fitness up, get his form up, and then obviously move back up to a level that he's uh, more used to playing at and probably uh, an area where it's a bit close to where he lives. So I think he'd come on a sub yesterday. Um, but he's a, he's a quality player, good leader, good organiser at the back. So... I'd expect he'll be, he'll be uh, pushing for a place in their, in their team shortly. One, one thing I will say on, the, on, that, um, on that game, how, how unfortunate Will Evans was um, with yeah. the on goal. Because it just didn't look like there was any chance of it going in from where he was. And um, unfortunately, that's what handed Bromley the three points. Yeah, that's what happens when you're down near the bottom. As I say, we'll, we'll speak about Chesterfield later, but Yeovil... They're keeping up the pressure as well. They won 2-0 against Halifax. And Chris, what made that even more impressive was the fact that he played for 81 minutes with 10 men after an early red card for gold on Matoyo. But two goals from Courtney Doofus. He didn't prove he was a doofus, but he was a hero yesterday. Um, but fantastic spirit from Yeovil there. Yeah, well, it's amazing, isn't it? To, to play the, that length of time with, with 10 men just shows uh, what a great performance that, that was. And... Um, I also think it shows a little bit, unfortunately, about um, how it's going for Halifax at the moment as well, because you know that would have been a that would have been a huge um, advantage for them so early in the game, and uh, they didn't, unfortunately, for them uh, take advantage of it. But yes, um, Courtney Dufus did it, didn't he? I mean, it was one 0 for most of the game. Um, I know that the Yeovil were hanging on quite a lot in that second half before they did get that injury time 
Um, second goal, so maybe the score was the scoreline was a bit flattering for Yeovil, but uh, one of the performances of the day, despite the fact where they are in the table, to do that with ten men is uh, is outstanding. Yeah, absolutely, yeah, fantastic there for Darren Sal's men. Woking are level on points with Hall- with Hartlepool, another team, uh, another game where a team came from behind to grab all three points and. Uh, fantastic stuff that's happening to Woking. Uh, they're one of the few part-time teams in that league, but they're doing a fantastic job and you saw a lot of them last year as well. Definitely, yeah. It's a mixed season, a bit like Torquay really, where they did it, but they, they stormed for it at the end there and just about made it through in the playoffs. But um, I think they had a great start to the season, didn't they? But then, uh, unfortunately, a bit of a wobble went uh, 11 or 12 games, I think, without, without a win, mm. but they've come back again recently. It's surprising uh, some of the players have got there they've got a player on loan from us Jamal Loza who, who's gone there and played well for them recently although I don't think he played yesterday um, but yeah no I'm a little bit surprised of the two teams that went up obviously you'd expect Torquay um, to uh, be up there maybe ahead of Woking but got to give credit to Alan Dowson and his team there to, to push on as you say and, and, and be part time which is quite rare in this league now to uh, be pushing up there is a real achievement at the moment yeah, Chris, it's great, isn't it? Because normally the part-time scenes start off strong and then they start to fade. Well, Woking started strong, faded a bit, but they've come again, haven't they? Yeah, no, I must admit, you've got to take your hat off to them because I thought they were done um, when they went on that run. And um, I remember speaking to Alan Dowson up at Chorley and uh, he'd had another couple of players go off with injury in that game and his injury list was growing. And it really looked like it was going to be um, a sort of a tough second half of the season if, if you like for them and they've now kicked on and uh, you know it helped that they were up there they got they were on that good run at the start of the season because they weren't too far down and they're, they're kicking on again you've got to take your hat off to them for the part time um, thing as well that, that Darren just mentioned and um, in terms of Hartlepool you know they've got again are talking about long trips a lot on this uh, on this podcast so far and um uh, it was close but no cigar wasn't it for them but uh, still they, uh, that's the first loss in uh, in four games as well, so I'm sure they'll dust themselves off and go again under Dave Challoner. Yeah, two other teams in the playoff places had mixed fortunes on Saturday. We saw Solihull, they had heartbreak on Monday evening after throwing away a 3-0 lead at home to Rotherham, where, and they eventually lost that game by four goals to three. They lost it in stoppage time, and maybe they were suffering from that hangover still as they lost by two goals to nil at Wrexham and that moved Wrexham out of the bottom four as well but Chris it was a it's not been the best week for Solihull and Tim Flowers has it? Oh well it hasn't and um, I was at the game that they played um, against Stockport County uh, what, about 10 days ago now about 11 days ago when they, uh, they battered them in fairness but it was 4-1 at the end of the day and I looked at it and I thought whoever finishes above Solihull are going to win the league if it's not Solihull themselves because they look so strong I think I described them on our little WhatsApp group as a um, strong, tough results machine because that's what they are. They've got so much strength and power, certainly up front. Uh, they've got bite in the midfield with the Jimmy Balls. They've got, uh, they're just such a good team. And I turned the telly on, actually, on um, for that FA Cup game and they were 3-0 up with about 20 minutes to go. And uh, I looked at it and I think I said, I, I just thought, wow, you know, that just shows how how good they are, and then all of a sudden the the floodgates open, and I think I think that um, you know, yesterday's result was a bit of a hangover from that because you can't. I mean, they were on such a high; it looked like they were going through to the next round of the cup, and to lose in that fashion, I think it probably just carried over into into Saturday's game because certainly 
Amari Patrick's goal, the first goal, it was very unsolihull like defending that uh, that let him in for Wrexham. Um, I still think they'll be right up there. As for Wrexham, Luke, if we just get a, have a minute on Wrexham, you know, Dean Keats has now steered them to to back to back wins. The bottom four now looks very different than it did uh, about six days ago, and I think it was about six days ago that. Um, the board uh, saw it fit to sort of apologise to the fans as well, and since then they've got they've got six points out of out of six, and things are looking slightly better. So um, yeah, I think that was surprise result of the day for me. But when you do look back at it and you think of the the psychological damage that that probably did to uh, to Solihull, maybe it's no surprise. Yeah, when we saw the statement being released, we thought it could be. Dean Keats' time is up, but actually they backed Dean Keats and they apologised the board for the mistakes made and urged the fans to get behind him. And, and as Chris said, two wins in the past week. They won at Absolute 2-0, where Amari Patrick scored both goals then and then he opened the scoring on Saturday, as we said, followed by James Jennings. And it's been a very good week for Dean Keats' men. Harrogate, they kept up their impressive run. They won 2-1 over a really out-of-form Torquay at the minute, thanks to on-loan right-back Alex Bradley, who's... On loan from Lincoln City, but I found out that he's got Finnish blood in him, so there you go. And uh, John Stead as well, he scored the old-timer there. And despite Jamie Reid pulling a goal back with a penalty, that is six straight defeats now for Torquay. And before we get on to Harrogate, do you think, Darren, is Gary Johnson under pressure now? It surprised me. He's well-loved down there by the fans. Obviously, the work he did there last season, taking over after the, the misery of Gary Hours, a lot would say, and, and sort of pushed him up the league. And again, they were a good good periods of form this year but I think they have got a bit of an injury crisis down there and whether that's even if they've got players coming back whether the confidence has been knocked and, and we know obviously in this league it's a, it's a tough relentless league so um, maybe it's the first time really he's been under a bit of pressure in terms of the form not going as it should be so it'd be interesting to see but I would still back him to to get them out of it and, and start pushing them back up the table but yeah no, it's a tough time six, six games in a row defeats is difficult for any any team or coach but um yeah, I would expect them to once get maybe a few players back, get get a win here and there, and then they'll start to push back up again. And Chris for Harrogate, they're quietly going about the business. Nobody really speaks about them, do they? We we talk about them on the podcast, but nobody kind of goes, "Oh, look at Harrogate." I mean, even on like the highlight show on BT, they just kind of they, they brush over it in a way. And I think Simon Weaver like it like that. Oh, of course he will. Yeah, they're they're there or thereabouts, and the. Uh... They're remaining there and thereabouts, aren't they? Um, in the sort of sixth, seventh, eighth positions, they maybe drop out of those playoff spots and then get back in. But they're a strong, they're a powerful team. Uh, they've got uh, they've got Mark Beck, who's always a an outlet for them to, uh, to to bang up to. But they've got real pace down the uh, the wing backs. The wing backs are always up there supporting play. Uh, I like the way they play. They've they've got three G pitch, so they're not going to have any problems at home in terms of. Uh, Getting matches on over the over the difficult uh, winter months, as long as the uh, electricity holds out, that is. Um, but uh, you know they're do, they're doing a good job, and um, I expect they'll be there or thereabouts around the playoff spots at the end of the season. Or if it snows, because apparently you can't brush snow off a three G pitch. You're not allowed to do it because it ruins the pitch. So. Oh, all right. Thank yeah. you. If it, but if it's minus twenty, it's still fine. Minus twenty, they'll still be able to play. So there we go. They'll, they'll hopefully get that on. Um, just outside the playoff spots to Stockport County, Chris. Now, they faced Charlie at home on Saturday. Normally, a bogey side for Stockport. Of course, Charlie got their first win ever in the National League against Stockport. But yesterday, uh, Stockport got them back with a couple of 
brilliant goals in there. Yeah, it was such a boost yesterday, and um, you know there has been a, a quite a bit of rivalry that's built up between um, Stockport and Chorley over the last uh, few years because of that very reason. You know, Chorley have denied Stockport County in some very important games over the last few years, so a natural uh, a natural rivalry has built up between the two. And I've got to admit, when uh, when Alex Newby put them ahead after seven minutes, there was uh, definitely a feeling amongst the the four and a half thousand fans in in the ground that it was going to be uh, another Chorley game uh, where they get uh, you know they fight hard to get everyone behind the ball and they hit uh, County on the on the break again. But it wasn't to be in the I think the straw that brought the camels back it wasn't so much the uh, the equaliser the Narbel equaliser which by the way every player in the Stockport County team touched the ball in the build up to that to that goal it was the uh, goal just before half time when. Uh, Festus Arthur got his his first goal for the club, and that was significant not only because it was just before half time, but because it was Festus Arthur. For, for those who don't know, Festus Arthur is a is a lad who's come through the uh, come through the system. He's nineteen, he's massive, and he's a bit of a cult hero. And uh, certainly the whole ground was celebrating with him as he sort of ran off with the ball. I, I didn't think he was going to come back with it. Um, but for Charlie to concede just before half-time was, uh, was, was uh, a bit of a blow for him. And then County went on and scored some good goals uh, through Niall Bell and a, a Tom Walker pile driver. But just to indulge a little bit more on, on Stockport County, what I will say is that the uh, loan signings that Jim Gannon's brought in of Devante Rodney and Tom Walker in particular have been massive for, for County. Obviously, he went into this season with a very similar squad that got them promoted from the National League North. After a decent start, they really started to to drop like a stone. He's brought these loan signings in and they've, they've produced dynamism and, uh, and fluency. Ben Jackson's just gone back to Huddersfield. He was on the bench for, for Huddersfield yesterday, um, which just shows um, what they think of him there. It's made a, a real difference and now they're, they're in striking distance to the, the playoffs and have to keep going. There's an outside chance that the uh, you know they could be in them at the end of the season. Yeah, Rodney proving not to be a plonker at the minute, is he? <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> Good to see Festus scoring in a festive season as well. It kind of you could have had festive Arthur as your headline. Oh, we had loads. Well, my headline was uh, "Let the bells ring out for County." So we <laughs> there's loads of uh, festive headlines going on yesterday. <laughs> Looking at the bottom, though, that Charlie had a missed opportunity to get out of the bottom three. I mean, it's really tight down there, isn't it, Chris? The joint bottom with Chesterfield and Ebsfleet. And Ebsfleet missed two penalties at Eastleigh, so they missed a chance to get out of the relegation zone as well. And as we heard earlier, Chesterfield, they blew a 1-0 lead to lose at home to Bromley, which meant Wrexham leapfrogged them all, didn't they, in the end? And, and they'll be kicking themselves, those teams, won't they? Oh, definitely, and it just shows you a couple of back-to-back wins uh, like Wrexham, what it can do. And Chorley are right back on the bottom, and that's after they've got um, ten points out of the last twelve as well. Um, if you take out um, if you take out the Stockport County game, so it's it's incredibly tight down there. It's it's unbelievable, and you know Jamie Vermiglio at the end of yesterday's game, he was gutted. He was disappointed because he could see that they were a team who were. Uh, Confident and look like they're in good form. They just 
conceded just before the break, and it? it's it's incredibly tight down there, there now. And Chesterfield fans, are, you can only imagine how they're feeling at the moment. Chris, how you've seen Ebbsfleet and Charlie recently? I mean, out of those two, and obviously with Chesterfield there, do, do you think those two are capable of staying up? Oh, look, I definitely think they're capable, and that's the thing. You know, all those teams are, are capable. I wouldn't say that this season there's anyone who um, who are certainties at all for the drop. Um, Surely they've got a hell of a, a lot, lot in the locker. They were they were hampered actually by Char, um, Charles Vernon uh, going back. Um, he didn't play yesterday because he's been recalled. Uh, he was on on loan, and he's been a bit of a catalyst, I think, for the improvement in recent weeks. But they've certainly got enough about them um, to to get out of it. And Ebbsfleet as well, you know, Ebbsfleet were very unlucky a couple of weeks to, to just come away with a point at, at Stockport County and they've you know they've turned things around they're a team who were, who were certainly on the on the rise as well um, so you know I have not got a clue at this stage who's uh, who's going to be in that bottom four Darren three points above those three teams are Sutton they got a really good point at Notts County thanks to Harry Butyman it, it's not been quite as easy for Sutton this year but again a bit like Harrogate they've got a 3GP 3G pitch and it's still a difficult place to go definitely yeah obviously they had their big success a few years ago with their cup runs and obviously with big change there with manager leaving to go to Haven obviously slow start but they've managed to pick it up again recently and it's a surprise seeing them down there, not one you expect to see down there, but I imagine it's a big change there, a lot of change in personnel, so I imagine it's a bit of a uh, transition period for them, and I expect they'll be hoping to maybe just consolidate this year, stay stay above that drop zone, and then maybe push again uh, and make use of the, the facilities they've got down there. Yeah, Fylde are not far off the relegation zone. They have picked up in recent weeks, but they lost on Saturday in a late TV game down at Barnet, and they were 1-0 up at half-time, Barnet through Jack Taylor, and they spoke to Darren Curry as he was coming back out at half-time, saying he was frustrated that they weren't further ahead. He looked even more frustrated when Danny Rowe fired in the equaliser, but he just sensed something was going to happen. I don't know if you saw the game, guys, but then a corner last minute was headed in by Simeon Akino, and Jim Bentley admitted afterwards that he probably didn't deserve anything out of the game. No, they didn't, Luke, and um, you know they, they could have conceded a penalty in the first half as well. There was, for me, what... What like a cast iron penalty to to be honest with you, and the filed um, mystery just continues to to go on, doesn't it? Like you say, they had um, they had back to back wins, but they they go down to Barnet, who you know who were in sort of mediocre form, if you like, and uh, and they get beat down there, and you know they're one of the teams who are certainly worried because for filed, I mean the filed project this season is possibly you would say one of the most important that they've had in. Uh, for a very long time, because the foul projects are getting in league football by uh, by twenty twenty two, is seriously in danger. If they drop down to the to the National League North next season, it'd be a massive blow for them. And um, yeah, and great great win there for Barnet. Just um, just on a, a little topical point, what what do you guys think about the halftime interviews? I just thought I find it very strange that um, you know to get to get feedback at, at that point during. During a match, I just think it's a bit odd, and I just think it's probably something that the uh, the managers don't really welcome. Yeah, I'm more for access and things like that, but I'm, I'm not sure, as you say, it's any real benefit. Almost a little bit gimmicky. I mean, you see in other sports and things, but yeah, it, as you say, it's not been taken on at the top level or anything. Maybe because the clubs don't fancy it. But yeah, it's, uh, yeah, not for me either. I don't think. 
It's a strange one, isn't it? Especially when, do you know, they do it in-game as well and they're talking to him in the dugout. If you're trying to work out something tactical, it's, it's be really frustrating. And, yeah, I, I, I can see why they do it and it's good for, like, the fans to see that. But if you just de- delivered a half-time rollicking, you don't want to then come out and have to talk to BT, really, do you? As a sort of journalist who, who reports from, from matches, you spend a lot of time building up... Um, you know, a bit of rapport with press teams and with managers and stuff like that, so that at the end of the game you get some decent audio or you get some uh, you get some decent quotes and they they want to talk to you and everything. And I think by getting them at half time, you do run the risk of maybe peeing them off if you like and um, and uh, not destroying it. But uh, I think it possibly erodes a little bit of that trust. But anyway, we 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 go off on a tangent. But I think it's a it's an interesting point because I understand that the, I think the BT coverage is fantastic. By the way, yeah, to uh, to the National League is something really, really good, and it's a great product. And I just think that there's some areas that perhaps perhaps are not necessary. And uh, as Darren said, what what more do you learn at that point? No, absolutely, and. Uh... Like you say, BT did great coverage. And let us know what you think. Tweet us at NL Full Time as a fan sat at home watching it. Do you, do you really like that, or do you just think, look, leave them alone, interview them after, see what they think? Um, get in touch. Let us know on Twitter at NL Full Time or email us nlfulltime at gmail dot com. Just wrapping up a couple more results in the National League. Dover there. Horrible home form continues. Just two wins at the Crabble all season. The latest victors were Boreham Wood and some poor defending from Scott Doe. It was more Scott Doe uh, there, if you saw the highlights of that, where he got mugged by Kabongo Shimanga and Justin Shaby finished. But as you said, good win for Boreham Wood. But Dover is, again, a really difficult place to go, guys. And and this season, it hasn't proved to be that. Yeah, it's a surprise, really. Um, Obviously, Hesitola went in there last year and did well. And as you say, it's always... Seen as one of those places that fans or opposition managers will say it's a tough place to go, so it's surprising that, that they're not making use of that at the moment. But obviously, the, looking at the table, it doesn't look great. Obviously, in fifteenth, only sort of six points, six points above the player, uh, above the relegation zone. But they've got a game or two in hand, so if you win one of those, they're back up to sort of ninth, tenth, three points behind the uh, the playoff places. So it's mixed season. I mean, obviously, lost lost two, I think, and you know, drew the one before that. So it's not great form. But I do wonder if the cup run that they had, whether that has an effect and going out on that maybe hard to get back up and motivated again but you know he's a good manager down there and they've got some good players so um, you'd expect them to improve but say if their home form continues it doesn't make it difficult to to progress because you can't rely on continually going away and picking up points and Boreham Wood another team going under the radar a little bit they're just sneaking up the table aren't they and as, uh, they always seem to be doing fairly well up there but women not quite can take the uh, the next step up to, to get that promotion but Got good goal scorers there in uh, Shamanga and uh, Tyron Marsh, I think it is, um, who's, who's, who's scored plenty of goals for him. So if you've got goals in you, you've always got a chance. And, um, yeah, they'll always always do well, I think, because they're, again, another side with a, a good home record, I think. And the final game uh, in the National League is, uh, well, what do you call them, your rivals? Darren Dagenham and Red Bridger. It's an, obviously an Essex, it'd be an Essex derby if you played them, but they're in a horrible run of form at the minute. They lost again on Saturday, 2-1 at home to Alan Devonshire's Maidenhead. Yeah, I think it's, it's seven, win, seven losses out of the last eight, I think, there. I mean, they've got that big win against Rob's uh, Aldershot there. So, but apart from that, yeah, it's... <laughs> Everyone beats Aldershot. He's not here, I can say that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a short one. But yeah, no, it's surprising. Obviously, you've got Tim Howard... Uh, and his uh, crew putting money in there, so it's 
expect, you know, it's good players there, so it's surprising they had a bit tough times last season. So it'll be interesting to see whether the manager is heavily under pressure there. Unfortunately, I don't know, any, not keep in touch with their fan base at the moment. But yeah, no, it'll be interesting. Obviously, again, like we said earlier with, with Torquay, it's slightly different that he's got a bit of credit in the bank. But it'll be interesting to see whether uh, there's a change made there in the coming weeks if this form continues. So we're going to look next at the National League North. When your kids are ill, you just want to help them feel better. But you don't always need antibiotics. Get advice from your local pharmacy or search NHS Choices. Hi, I'm Adam Summerton. You're listening to the NL Full-Time Podcast. In the National League North, Blythe Spartans are down near the bottom, their second bottom currently. They faced a trip to the surprise package. You're doing really well this season, Kingsland. I saw them win in the FA Trophy at Alfreton on Tuesday night. A very impressive performance from them. And after the game, I caught up with their manager, former Newcastle midfielder, Huddersfield manager and Birmingham manager, Lee Clark. Lee, great victory, bounce back after after Saturday um, with a fantastic first half performance. Yeah, very good first half in terms of the football. I thought the second half was a contrast in terms of where we had to defend doggedly and we'd done that, which has been an issue for us at times. But uh, the response of the players was brilliant. We didn't see a lot after the game. I never spoke to any media people or the club website because I felt you know it would be could be a hot a talking gesture if I said it was we apologise. We did want to apologise, but I wanted us to put a performance on tonight to, to show people because actions speak louder than words and uh, that's what we've done tonight. You, know, you kind of apologised on the pitch, really, the way you did it, didn't that's you? That's the only way to do it. Yeah. That's the only way to do it. You know, that's why I didn't want to come out. And it's easy to say, oh, we're sorry, and we'll put it right. You've got to, as I said, actions speak louder than words, and that's what's happened tonight. It's been, I've seen you a couple of times this year. You're a very exciting team going forward. It's sometimes a bit of naivety at the back. Yeah. And is that something, obviously, you've got a lot of experience in the game managing. Is that something you've got to get into these younger lads now? Yeah, we're, we're, an, we're, we're a really young back four, to be honest. We're, we're young centre-halves. Uh, centre-halves usually an old man's position. Mm. And uh, these are two young centre-halves we've got. They're improving. They want to improve. They listen. As you said, there's not many teams better than us going forward. We've got pace. We've got people who can beat people. Um, so, you know, we've got to get that balance. And uh, when we can do that, we're, we're a match for many teams. How have you found it dropping into this level and coaching? Obviously, you don't get as much time with the players and, and, and the standing and everything. What Have you found stuff difficult or what, what surprised you? Yeah, there's been some difficult periods. There's been some great periods. What I've got to say, what I've got to say is, the, is, the, is the attitude of the players and the, the willingness of the players. And some of them are doing full-time jobs as well, you know, take a bit of time off here this afternoon to get down here tonight. That shows a tremendous commitment, you know, in terms of from me. So I'm, I'm delighted with the attitude of the players. Of course, things are going to be different the way I've managed before, but, uh, you know, that's not a problem. I'm, I'm liking being on the grass when I can with the players. That's not a lot of time, yeah. certainly uh, when we've got games coming up. But, uh, no, we're, we're, I'm enjoying it. And I suppose coaching's coaching whatever level you're yeah, at. Listen, when you're on the grass, you love it. You yeah. want to get your points across to the players and try and improve them, and that's what we look to do. And you're in the bottom two, but obviously there must be a lot of uh, signs of encouragement there for you that you're going to be fine by the end of the season. Well, listen, there's been a lot of improvement. Saturday was a massive setback for us, something I didn't expect from this group. But, uh, you know, we've um, we've shown everyone we're, uh, you know, we're prob- we should be better off in the league. But, like I've just said about only what you do on the pitch decides where you're going to be. So that's what we've got to decide now. Cheers, Lee. Best of luck for the rest of the season. And that was Lee Clark and... They've got a very impressive young side going forward. At the back, they're a little bit shaky. As he said, they've got a young back line. They're going to learn. And it was a long trip for them on Saturday, Chris. They went and faced, let's say, it, the league leaders, Kings Lynn. Yeah. Well, firstly, how good are Kings Lynn doing? 
Uh, you know, the Linnets are soaring on top of that league. They're doing so well. They're just putting back-to-back wins together. And um, they deserve to be uh, on top of that league. They've scored 46 goals this season. Now, 46 goals is eight more than the next highest scorers in, in Brackley Town. So you can see where the success is coming from. Uh, they do concede quite a few as well, actually. But um, when you're scoring that amount of goals, that's over, what, two a game? Um, they're, they're, they're absolutely flying. And, uh, you know, fair play to them because, I, as you know, I've got a few little links to uh, to Kings Lynn as I live right outside the ground for, for a few years. Um, it's great to see them doing so well, particularly with the troubles, you know, about reforming and all that sort of thing that they had. In terms of Blythe, um, obviously you saw them on... On Tuesday night in the in the FA Trophy, and as you said, they've got a young team and they're, they're always attacking, and um, that's in their DNA. They've always been like that, you know. So ever since I can remember, they've always had real nippy, young, little, often smaller guys who uh, who can run the legs off you and uh, and score some fabulous goals. But it just doesn't seem to be working in the league for them um, this season. Don't forget, they have got experience there. The Evergreen. Robbie Dale, who I think must have played more games than anyone in for a single club in non-league football by now, is there, and he can always score a cracker cutting in off the onto his um, onto his right foot and banging him in from from distance. So they've got the they've got the experience there to try and get them out, but it's looking a little bit bleak for those uh, you know them at the minute. The five points off Kettering now, and uh, the stringing unfortunately for them, whereas Kingsland are stringing lots of wins together, Bly the stringing together lots of losses. Yeah, Callum Roberts, even though he's in that Bly side, he's probably one of the best players in the league. I mean, he, he just tore Alfreton apart as as he did. Dicky was saying yesterday he did to Telford earlier in the season, but. Kingsland, as we said, are three points clear of York at the top. Now, before we're saying, well, York have got a game in hand now, but it's even. They both played 20 games now. And do we class Kingsland a bit like Barrow, Chris? Do we say, hold on a minute, it's not just a flash in the pan. They can actually go and win this. Well, it's not a flash in the pan when um, they've pretty much played everyone now. We're halfway through the season and... um... You know, the league table doesn't lie. They're, they're, they are where they are because they've only lost twice and they've scored 46 goals. And they're upsetting teams, you know. What I will say is they're not going to be an unknown package anymore. Everyone's going to know about them. Everyone's going to have played them and everyone knows their uh, their threats. Everyone knows that the walks is a difficult place to go to. So they've got that, if you like, disadvantage now. But by the same token, they've played everyone as well. So they know what... What they're about. So it'll be interesting to see whether they can maintain it over the second half of the season. We have had examples in in previous seasons of where we have had teams like this. I think of um, you know Spennymore and Blythe themselves. We've just been talking about them. Have been up there in the National League and and dropped uh, well a bit like a stone in the in the closing stages of the season. But you know Kingsland do look like the real deal and. Um, Holding York and Chester and Southport, you know, arguably bigger clubs at bay at the moment. Yeah, York, who had their game in hand on Tuesday night at Hereford, drew 2-2. And they followed that up with another draw away yesterday at Kettering. Now, ordinarily, Chris, you'd say we'll go away from home and getting two draws isn't a bad thing, really. But when you're chasing the chop with the resources that York have got and the budget that York have got, they'll be probably a tad disappointed, won't they? I don't think they'll be a tad disappointed, Luke. I think they'll be really disappointed because, look, let's be let's be brutal about it. They need to be going down to the teams at, at the bottom, in the lower reaches of the table. 
And they need to be winning those games, you know, albeit Kettering haven't been beaten for a while now, even though they're in uh, they're in 20th position. But York needs to be winning them, especially with the firepower. If you look at the firepower that York City have got, it's a it's a it's a forward line that would grace the the National League. A lot of teams in the National League would want that. So to draw a blank away to a well a struggling team is uh, is a real blow for Steve Watson's men. I don't want to upset Anthony Johnson and Bernard Marley, Chris, but can we rule Chester out yet? I mean, they're 10 points behind Kingsland. Granted, they have got a game in hand, but is it too big a task for them now? They lost 2-1 at Darlington on Saturday. No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can rule them out. Um, they have got uh, the odd surprise defeat in them. Um, and I still think, you know, I, I think they win that game in hand, the seven points behind Kingsland, the, the four points behind York. I tipped them at the start of the season to win the league, and I'm do you know what? I'm going to stick my neck out. I'm going to stick with it. We don't like these sitting on the fence things, do we? Uh, there you go. I've stuck my neck out. You have indeed. Southport, again, a bit like we chatted about Harrogate and Boreham Wood. Kind of gone under the radar a little bit. They're up in fourth and they got a, a tight win over Gloucester on Saturday. Maybe would have expected them to win by more, but they're getting the job done at the minute, aren't they? Yeah, no surprises at all for me. Um, how well uh, Southport are doing? They've got flair in the team. They're incredibly difficult to break down. They're tough. You know, they've got about five people who can throw it further than a hundred meter running track. Um, so uh, you know, a throw-in's as good as a corner, as a lot of Liam Watson's team uh, teams do. Uh, Liam Watson's been there. He's done that. He's got it on his CV. He's got promotions. He's got champions on his on his CV in the past and um, they will be up there. They will definitely be in those playoff spots come the end of the season and um, they'll be hoping for more. Absolutely. And Brackley there, still going on, as, as we said there. The away form's maybe been what's let them down this season, but uh, they've only conceded 13 goals. That's one more than York. And they got a really good win at Geisley, albeit a 10-man Geisley. But, and again, another tough place to go, Geisley. Long trip, and, and they've come through with flying colours again. And they're in good form. They've won three of their last five. Yeah, Brackley must be one of the most consistent teams um, since, the, uh, since this National League structure was formed, I would think. They're always up there. They're always there and thereabouts. And... I mean, could this be their season? I don't think anyone in uh, in um, that division or anyone who follows uh, non-league football and the national leagues would be disappointed to, to, to see them go up or to see them maybe get in that playoff final and win this time because they're always there and thereabouts. They're difficult. You know, guys like a bit of an enigma over the last couple of seasons. It can be absolutely amazing. Sometimes they can be absolutely awful on, on, on other days, but uh, yeah, Brackley, good win for them there away from home as uh, guys, as I say, can be can be quite tricky, but Brackley got a great team, they've got a great squad, great manager, it's a lovely lovely place to go, they've got lovely officials behind the scenes, like, I, I just hope they, uh, they do do it this season, or they, they are there or thereabouts. Credit as well to Boston, Chris, I mean, they've probably got one eye on next week's FA Cup replay, but it's not really affected their league form. And I know when I've seen interviews with Craig Elliott, he's stressed that they can't take their eye off the ball. And they certainly didn't yesterday. I know he was, he, that's why he was so pleased with that 3-1 win at Kidderminster. He brought in Jimmy Shan as manager till the end of the season. Of course, he was, he was caretaker manager at West Brom for a couple of months last season. And that's quite a big appointment for Kidderminster. We'll come on to that in a minute. But for Boston, again, really, really impressive. And they've got... 
a few games in hand on the teams above them as well. Uh, they're only three points off Chester, and they just keep rolling on Boston. Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned them, actually, because uh, that was one of the standout wins, I thought, despite Kidderminster's troubles and uh, you know everything that's going on behind the scenes at, at that club. Uh, for Boston to win that game, you know, Craig Elliott had his, uh, had his mug on national telly at the draw the other day. Um, obviously, they've got to get past Rochdale this well this coming week, um, and if they do, they've got uh, they've got a decent uh, they've got a decent draw themselves. But um, be easy to take your eye off the ball, but they're not taking their eye off the ball, and uh, they have underachieved in previous seasons. But the uh, Craig Elliott looks to have got it sorted this season, and certainly at the moment they're on a, they're on a fantastic run of results. And of course, we can't rule out Spennymore, Chris. Again, they've quietly gone about the business. After a slow start, obviously with the pitch issues, they've had games to catch up. They they threw away a lead at Leamington yesterday, so they'll be slightly disappointed with that. But again, they've got a game in hand on Southport and again, are only three points behind them uh, in fourth place. And again, they could catch Chester. They've, uh, they've scored four goals less than them, but... <laughs> Many more a danger, aren't they? We can't sort of take your eye off the ball and, and, and allow them to just sneak up the table, can you? No, I don't think you can. I don't think you can ever underestimate Spennymore. You know, it's a difficult place to to go and play football um, as, as an away team. And uh, I've got to say, I think yesterday they'll be, uh, they'll be slightly disappointed um, with that point, especially coming away with uh, after, after going up uh, in that game. And... Um, I think is that the longest trip in the division? It's certainly close. If it if it isn't the longest uh, longest trip in the in the division, having said that, Leamington are in decent form at the moment as well. So uh, you know, it was never going to be a given. And uh, but what it does is it maintains Spennymore's place in in those playoff positions. Surely Brackley to Blythe's longer in it, or Kingsland to Blythe. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I was just thinking off the top of me, but it's still a fair whack, isn't it? Let's say that. Farsley, they're just outside the playoff places. They're out there on goal difference, albeit they've played two games more than Boston. They went to Telford and won by two goals. So now I spoke to Dickie last night and he was a bit forlorn. He said how well Telford had played, but Farsley saw the game out. And there was also a red card after the final whistle for Ellis Deeney, brother of, of Troy. But Farsley got the job done there and a much needed win after four without a win there. Alfreton are probably the most out-of-form team in mid-table there in 11th. They lost 3-1 at Gateshead, and as, as I said, I saw them on Tuesday night, and it was fair to say their defending wasn't much to write home about. Altrigan were really unlucky last weekend against Portsmouth. A last-minute winner there for Portsmouth denied them, but the league form, they would have expected to go to Bradford Park Avenue, Chris, and win that game, but a much-needed win for Bradford there. Six points off Kettering, so they're just kind of keeping in touch with them, but Altrigan will feel like that's a missed opportunity, especially with the games they got in hand. Yeah, that was a real surprise result for me. And, um, you know, would it have happened if Altrincham didn't have that trip down to Portsmouth um, the previous week? Because the the emotion that, that and they must be drained of after, certainly the nature of how they did get defeated, it looks like, looked like they were going to get a replay, um, uh, the Robins, back at, back at home. But uh, the emotions that they would have gone through during that game, I, all I can say is I think it must have taking the toll on them because you you certainly would not have expected Bradford to win that game but um, you know great stuff for uh, Mark Bauer and co and will this will this spark a revival there and the other result that we'll look at um, again Hereford they're in mid-table bit of a 
A funny side this year, they've picked up some good results, i.e. the 2-2 against York, where they were very good by all counts. But then they lost on Saturday at Curzon Ashton and have not won in five now. And they sacked Mark Richards, who wasn't a popular figure at all, but they were nearer the top half than the bottom half when he left. And now they're in 13th and probably looking over the shoulders a little bit. Yeah, I think so. Look, on the on the Mark Richards thing... My personal view, again, as an outsider looking in, that he was he was on a bit of a hide into nothing. I think uh, with the fans, you know, coming in after someone like Peter Beadle, who'd been so successful with the club, he brought them right through the divisions. He was a larger than life character. I think Mark Richards was a, was always going to struggle there, and, uh, particularly as a, he was a he was a completely different character. He was a he was a good thinker of the game. He had Tim Harris um, sort, of, sort of behind him pulling strings, who I don't think is there anymore either, is he, Luke? No, I think he resigned a couple of weeks ago, didn't he? Yeah, I think so. So, again, um, it's a difficult one, isn't it? You see these, um, you know, the Phoenix clubs and the clubs that have had to reform and and all that sort of thing. You know, Hereford is a slight, slightly different case. And it, it tends to be when they do get to the National League North that they do stall a little bit. And there's, it's kind of like... A, it's like a middle ground, isn't it? Are you going to be that team who who has to consolidate for five or six seasons and then begins to progress again, or are you going to hit that 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 uh, that sort of stumbling block and uh, and fall down? And obviously, FC United are, are an example of that. Who are not playing the trade in the uh, Bet Victor now, isn't it? The Bet Victor yeah. Northern Northern uh, Premier League. So. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting turning point and where they are at the minute, the slap bang in the middle. So it's a key point in their season. It doesn't seem to be working for them at the moment. We're going to look next at the National League South. If you're driving on a motorway and you see a red X sign overhead, you need to change lanes safely. Driving in a red X lane is an offence. Red Xs are there for a reason, to protect you and others from danger. The lane may be blocked by a broken down vehicle or road workers, or the lane may be needed for the emergency services. So if you see a red X, change lanes safely. Highways England, connecting the country. Hi, I'm Jeff Brazier and this is the NL Full-Time Podcast. In the National League South, Wheelstone stay top. The four points clear. They've also got a game in hand on the team in second place, who we'll come to in a minute. But they've got a nil-nil draw at Bath, who are in fifth place. I don't think Dean Brennan will be too upset with that, will he, Darren? No, definitely not. Um, this to both managers' post-match interviews and they were expecting a tactical battle and I think that's what they got and it seems like both sides cancelled each other out in the game and uh, I think both were probably keen not to lose uh, this one so Bath has been a good film uh, and a good run. Obviously, Willstone dipped a little bit but still, obviously, up there at the top uh, and they've now got a big game on Tuesday when they play Eastbourne and they'll be looking to uh, to win that one and continue pushing their lead further. Yeah, Eastbourne who are in, they're in okay-ish form, but you'd expect Wheelstone to go and win that one. In second place are Slough, as we say, four points behind, and they played a game more, and they won 1-0 against Braintree, and they're absolutely flying at the minute, aren't they, Slough? Definitely, yeah. I think um, sort of manager, got a joint manager say, they've taken 35 points in the last 42 on offer, so... Um, it definitely deserves to be up there in second place. I think um sounds like this game was a bit more of a chore than it, than it could have been. I think they got a goal in the 83rd minute and pretty much dominated the game by all accounts. But very cheap keeper Michael Johnson kept them at bay until that late goal from Matty Lynch. It's good good preparation for the, the next game they've got haven't uh, obviously on, on, on Wednesday. So that's a big top of the table clash there. So it'll be interesting if they can get out of that again with probably a draw and a bit like uh, 
we'll stand just to avoid defeat. I think they'd be very happy with that. But um, yeah, looking good for Slough. And um, you know, looking at a the team, there's no superstars or anything there, but they just play well as a team. They're well drilled, well organised, good, good management team there. So yeah, it's not a surprise that, that they're doing well. And yeah. You can see friend of the podcast, uh, Scott Davis, pick up man and match uh, yesterday's game. Yeah, we'll try and get Scotty on in the next couple of weeks. But as you say, they're so well organised at the back. They've only conceded 18 goals. That is the joint lowest along with Bath. So at the start of the season, they had a slow start, didn't they? And you were down there and you're thinking, will they struggle this year? But since we said that, I think it was in September, they've just flown, as you said, and uh, they are one of the form teams. I mean, can you see them staying up there? I'd fully expect them to be in the playoff places, whether they can can see off uh, the likes of haven't. Uh, not so sure, obviously, just because of, of the resources they've got there. But definitely, I would I would put my money on them to be in the top seven. Although I would say still a long way to go, so things can change, and there are a few teams on the bubble there that will be pushing them. But yeah, no, I'd, I'd be confident that that you know all being well, that they'll be up there in the top seven at the end of the season. Yeah, haven't are just coming along nicely. They're unbeaten in their last four. In fact, they've won four on the spin, and that included a two-one win over Chippenham on Saturday. They've also got. Two games in hand on Slough and a game in hand on Wheelstone. And as you say, it's second v third on Wednesday. So they'll be looking, if they can win that, haven't they'll leapfrog Slough and then they'll have their eyes on Wheelstone. Definitely, yeah, because I think they've got two games in hand, haven't they, on, on Slough. So they win that, they'll still have a couple and, and then be a, a point ahead of them. So, yeah, interesting sides haven't really. They were my tip at the start of the season, and obviously they're doing well now. But I don't see the thrash teams very often, but they always seem to find a way to win. And I suppose that, that's a good sign. Um, but yeah, again, left it late last few of their last games. I think against Bath, similar, but they got a late winner there against uh, a valiant Chippenham side yesterday. I think they played the last half hour with 10 men, but still managed to get an equaliser. So it's um, a good win, but good home form. And I think I don't think they've lost away, haven't so uh, in the league this season. So uh, yeah, it's difficult. Wolfstown obviously done really well, but you know, if I was to, to take a punt now, I'd imagine I haven't made just pip them to it. But let's say if Wolfstown can continue their form, then uh, will be pressure to them to for haven't to make up those points. Yeah, haven't have lost the least games in the league as well. Only two all season. And experienced manager there in Paul Doswell. In fourth, our Weymouth. Real surprise package, Darren, aren't they? But with the resources they've got down there, the crowd and a good manager in Mark Mosley, is it as surprising as everyone should think, despite them being beaten on Saturday at Dorking? Yeah, it's, it's difficult, really, because often teams go up and do quite well, so it's not, not a surprise in that sense. And you looked at them at the start of the season and thought both of them and Dorking would have a good chance, whether they, you thought they'd be both. You know, the top five or, or six as they are now, maybe maybe not. But as you say, got good players, good team, good manager, and and goal scorers down there. Was one of the highest scorers in the league, I think, with thirty four goals, I believe. So, yeah, um, good home record again. Tough place to go down there, uh, and as you say, difficult uh, result from yesterday. But Dorking as well are another good side and in good form as well. So, not not just great to lose there, but you know, I think they're unbeaten Weymouth in eleven games before that one. So. A very good result for Dorking, and uh, so I wouldn't be surprised again for both of those teams to be to be right up there again at the end of the season. Yeah, back-to-back wins there for Dorking. The team in the final playoff place are Hemel Hempstead in seventh. They've lost three on the spin. That was a two-nil defeat at Welling on Saturday. Disappointing defeat for them. However, they like haven't in that they've got two or three games in hand on the teams above them, and if they can get the form back, then they'll be a threat to the playoffs as well. Yeah, it's going to be quite a streaky team, Hemel. Uh, started off with, uh, <laughs> you said that through grit teeth then, Darren. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, they did us early in the season, unfortunately. But, yeah, funny game yesterday. I think they had a man sent off quite early, Sam Ashford on 25 minutes, and Sammy Moore was 
pretty scathing of it after the game. Actually, I don't, I don't know whether I haven't seen the tackles. I don't know whether it's tension or not, but uh, the manager wasn't wasn't really happy with it. So, and that he'd said they'd boss the game up to that point. So, I think he would have been confident they could have gotten and get a result against Welling, who have been a bit bit up and down this season. But um, Moses Emmanuel signed for Welling recently, and that's a that's a big signing for him. There, he offers you goals. Obviously, he was a good player at Billerick, and he's, he's left there to go to Welling. And, um, Obviously, he's got the goal, one of the goals yesterday, and uh, and helped him get the win. But yeah, Hemel. So I think it's three defeats on the bounce for them. So we've got good players there, and he took a lot of players' win that, that performed well at Concord last year. So and I think a decent budget, I would imagine, to get those players in. So it'd be under a bit of pressure to, uh, to deliver a playoff place, and so they're clinging on there at the moment. So, um, but they'll need to get some form back, I think, to uh, to push back up and maybe threaten a bit higher up the table. In eighth place, just three points outside the playoff places are Maidstone. Bit of a stuttering season for them so far. They seem to win a couple, then draw, then lose. They had a good win, though, at Oxford City on Saturday by four goals to one, and, and that'll do them a world of good. Definitely, yeah. They're another team that probably a little bit underwhelmed uh, this season. I think they've quite a lot of turnaround in the summer, so a lot of new players coming in, so I guess it can take a while for those to gel, but they're a potent side and they do you know games like this so when, when they get going they do win well so another game yesterday I think was affected by a, a red card with an Oxford player going off, off after half an hour so that did help them obviously but um, Matt McClaw getting a couple of goals I'm a loser again another goal and got good players there so you'd expect I think them to, to, to push on again but as I keep saying with all these teams there's a lot of teams looking to push on but a lot of teams have got quality in this league and they just need to uh, as you say get consistent run together and show that quality and then uh, cement their place in the playoffs. Yeah, before we look at the bottom, just a couple of teams who were doing quite well in the top half. Hampton and Richmond, they had a, a slow start to the season. We thought they may well be in relegation trouble, but Gary McCann's done a really good job there in recent weeks. From beaten now in three. They got a draw on Saturday away at St Albans, who are bottom of the league currently. Uh, and they're in ninth place and, and they're doing okay, aren't they now? Definitely, yeah. I mean, some early in the season which helps, wouldn't they? naive at the back really and it could be a tough season for them but um, they've definitely turned it around they've been on good form and as you say they're sitting pretty in ninth at the moment um, this stage game I think the manager was disappointed I don't think they did the self-justice first half I think he had a word with them and they come out a much better second half but again they were another side that were obviously affected by, by a red card with Charlie Westmore who's been a good signing for him again going back there um, sent off 25 minutes left and see that even though one all at a time, but they couldn't quite push to get the winner there, which they would have hoped for. Uh, St Albans, obviously huge disappointing this season. Bottom of the league. It's back-to-back 1-1 draws there against my team, Chelsea, last week in Hampton. So a little bit of shoots of recovery there, but obviously wins are what you need in this league. So um, they'll be hoping to maybe build on that slightly better better form to try and push on and get some wins to put pressure on the teams above them. Yeah, the four points adrift at the bottom, St Albans. There are only two points adrift with a game in hand on Ian Herring's Hungerford, as we've got to call them now, and they got an excellent win midweek Hungerford against a far, an, another relegation rival in Tombridge. But the tables were turned on Saturday as Hungerford they lost four one at your team Chelmsford, and Tombridge beat Billericay by three goals to two, which means Tombridge leapfrog Hungerford yet again. But uh, a convincing win for Chelmsford in the end. Yes. Not been a common occurrence this season, unfortunately, especially recently. But did get a good win yesterday. It was quite a tight first half, really. Not much in it, but then we get a slightly fortuitous goal with a miss hit shot being controlled, and then then finished. And then within uh, a minute or so, a penalty they've given away. The keepers rushed out, not got there. 
taking the player out. Penalty 2-0, you're up looking comfortable. But unfortunately, Chelsea's Achilles heel this year has been conceding goals early in the second half. And yet happened again, innocuous goal, really long throw-in, sort of maybe clipped off their young striker. Goes in 2-1, a bit nervy, but fortunately we managed to regain control of the game, get a third, 25 minutes to go, and then and then seal it at the end of the game. Uh, Hungerford, this is a good win, a good performance in, in midweek week to get that win, but we played them a couple of weeks ago in the trophy and, and they, they were much better really, unfortunately didn't quite get going yesterday, a couple of couple of shots from long range, a couple of, couple of chances, but didn't really get going. Got a very young team down there, the, the goal scorer to Silva, I think he's only about 17 uh, years old, Ian, Ian's trying to build a team down there, so it is difficult with resources he's got, but um, I'd say I'm sure they'll They'll compete. They've got talented players and, and young, hungry players. So I'm sure they'll they'll compete, and hopefully they'll uh, do enough to avoid those bottom two places. And, and you old Ian Herring a pint as well, don't you? Definitely, yeah, definitely. So uh, I missed him yesterday, but uh, when we go down there for a return game, I'll, uh, I'll make sure uh, I uh, repay the favour there. Um, Tunbridge, yeah, amazing result for them. Um, obviously, Billericay flying comfortable could have been more than two 0 up at half time, uh, and then come out second half and all change and uh, two goals in a couple of minutes I think it was in, in early in the second half changed the momentum of the game and then uh, the Costa manages to get the winner for them and hold out um, if you get a chance to listen to Jamie O'Hara's interview after the game it's uh, quite interesting incredibly angry uh, you know calling the second half performance a disgrace and embarrassing and feeling that the team lacked a necessary fight once uh, Tunbridge got into the game so that was interesting he's got some, a lot of change again there with squads and Villaricky uh, mm. so He's got some good players have come in, including Akin one day he scored an early goal for them. But yeah, he was very disappointed with the second half performance and obviously surprise result when you looked at half time for Tunbridge there to uh, and good for them obviously to come back and uh, get the win and say and take themselves out of those bottom two places. Yeah, I mean for Bill Ricky it's kind of kind of almost got a rebuild again. They've got new owners, but the fact they got someone like Jamie O'Hara in charge and, and he's decided to stay as well. He's, he's quite a feather in the cap for Billericay because they've got someone who's played at the highest level and is very professional, isn't he? Definitely, yeah. And, um, say they're another team with a lot of games in hand, so they sit 13th at the moment. Obviously, they can they can still pick up some more points and uh, push back up. But, yeah, it's, it's I think it's now important, obviously, with Glenn Tampley moving on and, and the new owners coming in. I think it's a case of, again, probably a bit... So they want to do well, but a bit of consolidation and build it back up and on, on a more sound footing and, and work to the budgets that they've got there now and, and look to progress that way. But yeah, now having someone like O'Hara there again, it keeps them in, in, in the uh, in the publicity there. So it's I'd expect them to be comfortable in mid table. Again, maybe they float with the playoffs, but I think they'd be happy with that just to get a bit more uh, on a solid base and then look to progress uh, in the years to come. Just going back to Chelmsford, can you get a nil-nil drawing your next game, please? Because then your record will read, played 21, won 7, drawn 7, lost 7, scored 35, conceded 35. Yeah, no, it's... <laughs> did get that a few times with teams, did with these uh, symmetrical records. But yeah, no, it's, uh, yeah, it's been a funny one this year, and uh, I think it's sort of a bit of a cuss now point of, is this a, was that win a start of a, of a good run? Obviously, you've got some big games coming out of the Christmas period, or, or, or is it another bit of another false storm, really? So, be interesting to see. They've brought a few more younger players in, and that, that's given them a bit more impetus. So, fingers crossed we can push on and, uh, and, and not have a disappointing sort of mid table season. Yeah, another two games left in the National League South. Dulwich won, Dartford won. So, Steve King getting a bit of a revival there at Dartford and probably the biggest winners of the day your Essex rivals Concord they won 5-0 against Eastbourne Borough they were 4-0 up at half time 
Yeah, massive result for them. I think the biggest win of the season so far. Uh, I think they're now four unbeaten at home after a bit of a sticky period following a good start to the season. Again, they're another team that, that have to uh, have to work with their resources that they've got and obviously good recruitment down there to get get players in. And recently some, some talented young players on loan from football league clubs. One of those, Kit Elliott from Huddersfield, got, the goal, got a goal yesterday. Uh, and I think that's given them a bit more impetus over the last few weeks to, uh, to improve their form. As I say, after they had a bit of a sticky patch where they couldn't, couldn't buy a win. But Eastbourne, they've been in fairly decent form lately. I think they've won the last two games in the league. But I do fear, again, I think they may have uh, had a bit of a budget cut down there. And uh, I do worry that they're going to get dragged down into that relegation battle. Because, again, they're another team that only scores 17 goals, I believe. So, yeah, good result for Concord. And obviously giving confidence. And they're sitting nicely in, in mid-table there. And, and they'll look push on from there but I think Eastbourne probably are the one that I worry about dropping down that likes the Hungerford Tunbridge and St Albans will be targeting to finish above Nice one well Darren thanks for joining us a great debut a great full debut anyway <laughs> No problem enjoyed it thanks a lot Cheers thanks for joining us Chris Yeah thanks Luke and that is it. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes and Spotify and drop us a tweet as well at NLFullTime or email us nlfulltime at gmail.com. Until then, as always, happy football watching and we'll see you all next week.